So when we're kids, we have people that we look up to, people that we want to be like. We want to follow in their footsteps. Maybe it's like an older sibling or a friend. And so you, you want to be like them. You see how they're living. You try and live like them. You act like them. Maybe you dress like them. Maybe it's a teacher you want to be like or a coach. Maybe it's someone famous. So I remember hours of playing ball in the driveway by myself or with friends, and we would fight over who got to be Michael Jordan. Who's going to be Jordan? Who's going to take the last shot to win game seven of the finals? Everybody wanted to be like Mike. We just wanted to follow after him. When I wasn't pretending to be one of my sports heroes, I wanted to be like my dad. I, 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 I acted like him. I dressed like him. I talked like him. My dad was a businessman, so when I was five years old, for an entire year, every single day, I wore a sports jacket. You could not get it off me. Some nights, I slept in that thing. For my seventh birthday, I asked my parents for a briefcase because I wanted to be a businessman. See, I've always been a dork. Nothing is different. It's fun to have a dream or a vision when you're a kid and go, that's what I want to be like, like that person. I want to follow in their footsteps. And that's totally normal for kids. What happens is somewhere in life, someone along the way, someone comes along and says, it's not cool to be a follower anymore. The only way you will be significant is if you're a leader. Followers are weak. Followers are, they're like sheep. They can't think for themselves. If you want to live a life of significance, you have to be a leader. And we go, okay, it's not cool to be a follower. Now we're all going to try and be leaders. Did you know that in the Bible, Jesus is never described as a leader? I mean, perhaps he is the greatest leader of all time, but the Bible never calls him a leader. Certainly, he never calls himself a leader. Actually, he calls himself a follower. Jesus says, I, I, I'm a follower. In fact, when I speak, I don't even speak my own words. I speak on behalf of the one who sent me. And the reason that I came is, is not to do my own will. No, I'm just following. I came to do God's will over and over and over and over again. In the Bible, Jesus is described as a follower, as someone who is trying to do the will of someone else, who's trying to be like someone else. We talk so much about being leaders these days. And Jesus, of course, was a leader, but he wanted to show us that it started with being a follower. And throughout his time on earth, throughout the Gospels, he repeats an invitation to us over and over again. He goes, hey, come and be like me. Come and be a follower. Follow me. So today we're going to talk about what does it actually mean to follow Jesus. What would that look like if we were following Jesus? Last week, Pastor Joe on annual uh, Vision Sunday gave us sort of a, a new spin, a clarifying way to look at our purpose statement. He says that Faith Church exists to help people find and follow Jesus. So today we're going to talk about what does it look like to follow Jesus, and specifically for the Faith Church family, what does it look like for us to follow Jesus. So if you've got a Bible with you, get it out. We're in Matthew 7 today. Matthew chapter 7. Matthew is in the New Testament. Matthew was one of Jesus' disciples and writes a story about what it was like living and walking and talking with Jesus. The story that we're going to look at today, this passage, is a pretty famous one. And what Jesus does is he gives us a glimpse of what it means to follow him. 
And what's really cool is that from the outset, as he invites people to follow him, from the outset, Jesus goes, listen, I want to be totally fair. So I want to tell you the truth. It's not going to be easy to follow me. You want to come after me? You want to follow me? That path is not easy. In fact, it's going to cost you something. And he gives us a little sneak peek into what it's going to cost us. Matthew and Luke in their Gospels both tell this story. Luke describes that Jesus says these words, that he speaks to this group of people and he says to them, Why do you call me Lord, Lord? And do not do what I say. So he's talking to this group of people, and and he's like, listen, before I get too deep into this, you want to follow me. Now, some of you, he says, are just here kind of to check things out. You're hearing me for the first time. You're just kind of exploring what it means to follow me. That's cool. He goes, but some of you, you call me Lord, and yet you do not do what I say. And, and, And this word here, Lord, this word in Greek, It's the word kurios. And this word, the reason I'm telling you this, is this word has a a, a particular meaning. It means master. The word kurios means master. This is the word that people use to describe one of the Roman leaders, one of the Roman governors, master or lord. I mean, if you think about it in that terms, when a Roman governor spoke, people listened and they executed what they were told to do. Jesus is going, okay, guys, we have a little bit of a problem here. Because so many of you, you've been following me around for a while and you're listening to what I'm saying and you're calling me Lord, but you don't do what I say. And if you want to follow me, if you want to come after me, you want to really be one of my followers, you're going to have to listen to me and it's, it's going to cost you. You're going to have to do what I say. And then he goes on to unpack that a little bit and we'll pick up the story in Matthew chapter 7. Jesus speaking, here's what he says. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. He says, the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. This is a passage we're going to look at today, and we're going to come back and dive into it and dissect it a little bit. But let me give you the scene here of what's happening. Jesus is finishing his most famous sermon. We call it sermon. We call it the Sermon on the Mount, and he's been preaching for hours to a hillside of of people. Probably thousands of people have gathered, and he's preaching to them. And this hillside overlooks the Sea of Galilee. And there's something particular about the, the, the landscape, the geography around the Sea of Galilee. It's almost all sand. Everywhere you look, it's, it's pretty much sand. It's this particular kind of sand. It's called alluvial sand. And people came to this region. They came by the Sea of Galilee to build their houses. Fishermen and things like that, they wanted to be close to work. And so they'd, they'd come and they'd build houses along the Sea of Galilee. And there were two different ways to build a house near the Sea of Galilee. Some people would come to town and they would just go right to it. They would just build this house. 
And if they came in the summer, this sand was really hard. It was hard as a rock. And so they would come and they would just build right on top of the sand because the ground, this sand was totally stable. It's packed down so you can build right on it. The problem was that late in the summer and early into the fall, you'd start to get rain. And as the streams increased and the rain came down, the sand would start to be eroded. It would start to be washed away. And over time, guess what would happen? These, these houses would collapse. But what the local people knew about the land there is that if you, would, if you would just dig down just a little bit, just a couple feet below this surface of sand, there was this really hard bedrock just sheets of rock. And if you would dig down into it, the locals would do this. They would anchor their house into the rock. They would build the foundation attached to this rock, not just sitting on the sand. And what would happen then is when the storms came, these houses wouldn't be swept away because they were attached to a foundation. But all the time you didn't have people, they came in and they didn't know what they were doing. Or they didn't, they didn't want to put in the hard work it meant to, to bring in the bulldozer and dig down there and attach, and it took more expense, and it took right, more lumber and more product to build, and they didn't want to do that. It's cheaper. It's easier just to build a house on the sand, but when the rain came, the house would be destroyed. The house that was sitting on the sand would be totally wiped out, and so you can imagine these people are they're sitting on the hillside. Over this, overlooking the Sea of Galilee, and Jesus is talking about what's right in front of them. Jesus doesn't just come up with these random illustrations. He's not just talking about these ethereal things like, oh, hey, a house built on the sand. They're actually looking at a place where houses are built, and they can see with their own eyes, hey, there is a house that's still standing, and right there, there's just a pile of, of leftover material from a house that once was And they can look down the shoreline and they can see houses that are standing and they can see a shoreline that's riddled with the remains of houses that were destroyed. And of course, he's talking, all of this he's talking about is an illustration for our lives. That our lives are either built on a firm foundation, anchored into something, or our lives are merely built on sand. And Jesus is incredible and he goes, listen, I don't I don't want you to be fooled. I don't want you to think that you have this beautiful house that's constructed perfectly and everything's great about it because the storm is going to come and it's going to be destroyed. And he goes, I don't want your life left in shambles along the shoreline. Remember those commercials? You got to go in the, the way back time machine. Remember those commercials where they would show an egg and they would be like, this is your brain. And then they would show it in a frying pan. And they would go, this is your brain on drugs, right? Remember those? Jesus is kind of going like, this is your house. This is your house built on sand right here, right? This is what's going to happen. If you build your house on sand, it looks great. And by the way, during the summer, a house built on the sand and a house built on the rock look exactly the same. They look equally stable. They look equally constructed. They look like they're both going to last. It's when the storms start to come that you find out what they're really made of. And Jesus is like, I don't want your life to look like that. And he's good. And so he warns us and he goes, listen, I'm going to tell you how to avoid it. I'm going to teach you how to build your life on something that will last. Go back to the passage. Let's walk through this slowly as Jesus teaches us how to build our lives in a way, how to follow him in a way to make sure 
that we're not left in shambles. Listen to what he says, verse 24. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine, stop there. So he's talking about words. He's talking about the things that he says, the things that he teaches. Everyone who hears my words and puts them into practice, right? Everyone who hears my words and puts them into practice is like the wise man who built his house on the rock. Hears my words and puts them into practice. Two parts. Hears and puts them into practice is like a wise builder. Okay, good so far. What happens to the wise builder? The rain came down. The streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. The rain's coming, the streams are coming, but this house doesn't collapse, it doesn't fall over. What's he talking about when he's talking about the rain and the streams and the winds and the storm? He's talking about life. Jesus is like, life is going to happen, disappointment, tragedy distraction, rejection, loneliness, those are all parts of life. And who survives? The one who built his house on the rock, the one who hears the words of Jesus and puts those words into practice. Okay, that's good. That's the wise builder. But there's another thing he says that can happen. He says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the wind blew, and we know what happened. It came down with a great crash. What's Jesus, what's, what's he doing here? As far as I can tell, he's giving us a couple of options. He's going, there's, there's two different options on how we can live. One is, and he never forces himself on anyone. Jesus loves to give us options so we can make decisions for ourselves. One is, you can be a person who hears what Jesus says. You can hear what he says and you can do it. Or you can be someone who hears what Jesus says and you just do what you want. I think that's what he's telling us. You can be the kind of person who hears what Jesus says and, and does it, or you can be the kind of person who goes, eh. And he goes, that decision really is, it's up to you. You want to be the kind of person, this person who's anchored into a foundation, who's anchored deep into the bedrock. It's going to take some work. You got to do some digging. It's harder to build this kind of house. It's more expensive to build this kind of house. You can be the kind of person who hears what Jesus says and you do it, or you can be the kind of person who hears what Jesus says and you go, eh, I don't know, that's not really for me. I think I kind of want to just do what, what I want to do. You decide. Hear what Jesus says and do it, or hear what he says and don't do it. Like, like your choice. But remember where, we, remember where we started this. We're at the end of the Sermon on the Mount and people are clamoring after Jesus. He's been teaching for hours and they're like, Lord, Lord, give us more. Give us more. This passage goes on to say that it was the way he was teaching was something new. He was teaching with an authority these people had never heard before. And so they're like, give us more. We want to hear more. And remember, he goes, hang on a minute. 
we have a little bit of a problem. Because I'm, I'm saying these things, and you're saying you want to follow me, and you're calling me Lord, but you're not doing what I'm telling you to do. Like, it's a pretty big deal. If you're going to call me master, you're going to call me Lord. Like, that's a pretty big deal. We're not going to take that lightly. You're going to call on Jesus as Lord. That's a big thing. He's like, you better make sure you mean it. And what does that mean? Well, according to Jesus, following him means it means doing what he says. If you're a note taker, write this down. Following Jesus means learning what Jesus says and doing it. Learning what Jesus says, two parts. Learning what Jesus says. First we have to learn, and then we have to actually do it. Whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, whoever hears these words of mine, what does that mean? It means that we need to hear from Jesus. It means we need to learn the things that Jesus says. What does that take? How do we do that? It means we need to read and study our Bible. I mean, just right away, Jesus goes, you, you need to read and study your Bible. That's part of how we hear from Jesus. That's a foundational aspect of how we hear from Jesus. We have to learn the things that Jesus has said. How do we do that? We open our Bible. And I get it. That takes hard work to read and study our Bible, right? It's easier to flip on Netflix. It's easier to just sort of chill out and do, do sort of nothing. Flip on the TV, play on your phone, whatever. Like, this is a high bar. But he goes, this is a foundation. If you want to learn what I've taught, it means that you're going to have to open your Bible. King David says in, in Psalm 1, blessed is the one who delights in the law of the Lord, who meditates on it day and night, he's like a tree planted by streams of water. This is a foundational part of what it means to follow Jesus, to learn, to listen to what Jesus says. So I was thinking, church family, like, we, we're okay at this. Like, I think as, as a church, faith church, like, we do okay with this, but I think we can do better. I think we can do better at being a church that opens and studies our Bibles and creates opportunities and spaces and room for us to learn more and to understand God's word more, to study it together more. I mean, we have lots of opportunities to do that now. Of course, you come to a Sunday service, we're always going to open the Bible. We're always going to open the Bible during one of our Sunday services. The same thing is going to happen with our kids and our students. We're always going to open the Bible. We have sermon-based small groups, right? We have care groups. We have ABFs going on. All kinds of opportunities for us to open the Bible and study it together and to learn. But I also think that some of us are, are ready for more. Like we, need, we want more opportunities. We want to study in different settings and more. And so I'm really excited about some of the things that we're working on right now, building ways, classes and lectures and things like that, building ways that we'll be able to study and learn together. You know, right now we're in the middle of building a discipleship department like faith churches never had. We want a group of people thinking about ways to help us, to help me and to help you study our Bibles, read more, learn more about the things that Jesus says. And so some of the things that you can look for sort of coming up this fall, we have a, a I think it's going to be really cool. We have a, a, a class that we're we're launching this fall on, on biblical leadership. What does that look like? like it's, we're talking about this morning a little bit, like leadership starts with following, doesn't it? So we're going to talk about what is 
biblical leadership in this eight-week course. And some of you are, are leaders at work or, or you're business owners or you want to be leaders in the church. Like, I, I want to see you at that class. I want to study together and, and learn God's Word. We're working on a, a class for people that are just sort of exploring Jesus. They're checking out this God Church Bible thing. Maybe people that are new believers. We're working on a class. We're going to start that this fall. A place where people can come and, and just ask questions and explore following Jesus. We're working on mentorships. You know, it's funny. Our culture says that, you know, as you get older, you kind of become less relevant. You don't really need you anymore. It's really exactly the opposite of what the Bible teaches. The Bible tells us that as people in wisdom and maturity and life experience, they actually have more to offer. And so we want to create mentorship opportunities where, like the Bible teaches, the older can, can teach, can speak into the lives of the younger. And so we're working on all these opportunities where we can be together and we can study God's word and we can learn it together because that's a foundational aspect of following Jesus. But remember, there's there's also a second part to it, right? We have to hear, we have to learn what Jesus says. But there's something more we have to, he says, put it into practice. Unfortunately, Jesus doesn't say, go get a theology degree. He doesn't say, know lots of stuff about me. That's actually not the point at all. The Bible says that knowledge puffs up, but love builds up, right? So we've all met somebody who knows lots of Bible and they're a jerk. They have a Bible verse for everything. And at first, you're like, I want to be like that. They, they know like the whole Bible. And then the more time you spend with them, you're like, no, they're a jerk. I don't want to be like them at all. That's not a picture of following Jesus closely, just knowing a lot of stuff. Yes, we need to read the Bible so that we can learn what Jesus taught. But ultimately, it's about putting it into practice. And that's the hard part. I wish it was really like just learn a bunch of stuff about Jesus because I can teach you a bunch of stuff about Jesus, but I can't soften your heart in a way that you will put it into practice. I can't for you say, Holy Spirit, help me live and love like Jesus. And I think that's where we've gotten off track. We want to grow. We want to learn. But that's not the whole picture of following Jesus. We actually have to put it into practice. Lots of you know lots of stuff about following Jesus, but do you put it into practice? How quick are we to go, yeah, yeah, I know what Jesus teaches about sex outside of marriage, but it's okay for me. I can handle it. I know what Jesus teaches about how I should handle my money, but you know, it's, it's my money. I know what Jesus teaches about getting drunk, but I'm just with friends. I'm not hurting anybody. I know what Jesus talks about, about, about anxiety, and yet I'm riddled with fear all the time. There's nothing I can do to help it. See how it's, it's different? It's not just learning. It's, it's putting it into motion. It's putting it into practice. He's calling us, learn what he says, but then make the decision to go, Holy Spirit, help me. I can't do that for you. I'm really excited about where we're headed in terms of, of discipleship, in terms of learning and growing, studying God's word together. But I can create all kinds of opportunities and programs and spaces for you to learn, and I can't flip that switch in your heart that goes, I want to put it into practice. So I'm excited for where we're headed as a church and that we get to do all of this together. We're going to open our Bibles. We're going to learn and study, but we're going to talk about how we can live it out. We're going to be in small groups together. We're going to actually be with people where we talk about, okay, I see what, what 
Jesus talks about marriage? How do I actually live that out? I see what Jesus talks about forgiveness. How do I actually put that into practice when my heart is hard? So stay tuned on this stuff because remember, Faith Church is a place that exists to help people find Jesus, keep going. The second thing I want to say about following Jesus is that it means both growing and serving. We have to get out of the mindset that these are two separate categories. These are not two separate things. These are one thing. Following Jesus means both growing and serving. I think some people go, I'm a growing person. I want to grow. And you think that that means you want to learn a lot of history and a lot of Greek words and a lot of information. And there are other people who are focused on serving and you have sort of a, a, a bleeding heart for, for the needy. These are not separate things. This is all one picture, growing and serving. It's all one picture of following Jesus. And I think especially for those of us that have been following Jesus for a long time, and especially in the American church, we value knowledge and education so much. We really like the grow part. We really like the information part. I hear people say all the time, I want deeper teaching. I need deeper teaching. I reject that. There is nothing deeper than living and loving like Jesus Christ. And there's no amount of information that's going to flip that switch for you. Yeah, we need more teaching, but the deepest commitment of following Jesus is being like him. And Jesus was someone, he says, he came to serve. So I think the future for us is getting out of these buckets of growing or serving. I'm a person that likes to grow. I'm a person that likes to serve. No, we're all just chasing after Jesus. And so for us, that means both growing and serving. What does that look like? What's the practical of that? Let me tell you my dream. I want every person who comes to Faith Church, everyone who's a part of our church family, I want them to know their next step in following Jesus. Because here's the deal. Everyone has a next step in following Jesus. Everyone. You could have been following Jesus for 50, 60, 70 years. He's not done. He has a next step for you in following him. If he were done, eh, you wouldn't be here anymore. He's not done with you. He has a next step. What's your next step? For some, it's jumping into a, a sermon-based small group. You need to be in a place where you're talking about life and studying the Bible. We're not meant to grow in isolation. We do it with people. You need to be in a, in a sermon-based small group. Some of you, though, you're not ready for that. You need to be in a care group because you're in a specific stage of life where, where you need to focus on something. You need to be in grief share or divorce care. Others of you are just exploring this Jesus thing still. You, you need to be in a new believers class, in a place that you can ask questions. But maybe your next step isn't in a classroom setting or a group setting. Maybe your next step is you need to serve. Like you've been sitting in the chair soaking up knowledge long enough. That chair knows your imprint. You know what I mean? And it's time. Like you need to get moving. You need to be serving other people. I want Faith Church to be a place that helps you understand your next step. That every person can go, that's my next step. One of the sweetest things to me about Faith Church is the way we, is the way that we talk about serving. We're a church that we, we, don't, we don't go, hey, we need warm bodies to hold babies. Come over here, you. We're just pulling people off the street. You, come over here and hold babies. No, we actually want to go, how did God wire you so that we can help you serve in a meaningful way? 
be a part of the kingdom of God using your gifts to serve the church family and to serve outside of the walls. If you don't like babies, we actually don't want you to hold babies, okay? If you do, we want you to hold babies. By the way, if I wasn't here, I'd be holding babies. I love babies. I want to do that. But some of you are like, no, 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 I, I don't want no, no babies for me. But there's some place, there's a way that God has you to serve. Could be in the church family, could be in the community, could be somewhere in the world. You need to be hanging out with our, our, our high schoolers. And you go, oh, no, 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 no. I made a mess out of high school. Yeah, we need you. Because guess what? They're making a mess out of high school. And they need people that are more mature and experienced to coach them through that. Some of you need to host a small group because you have a beautiful home with a, a big living room that you could fit a bunch of people. Guess what? God didn't give you that house so you could brag about it. He gave it so you could serve his kingdom in one way is you could open it up for people, for a small group. Some of you need to foster and adopt kids. If you think we're going to stop talking about this, we're not. Some of you need to foster and adopt some kids because there's kids that need a home and you have a safe home and you could encourage them and you could be the light of Jesus Christ to them. And God told you a while ago that you're supposed to do it. What are you waiting for? There are all kinds of ways that God is calling us, that he's wired us to serve. I want Faith Church to be a partner for each of us to help you identify your next step. Super excited as we've been talking about vision and then this next chapter for Faith Church. I'm super excited about the things that we're working on. Stay tuned, but keep asking God for you. What's my next step? And here's the deal. You don't need me to create a program for you. If God tells you to do something, be faithful, be obedient, move. Following Jesus means both growing and serving. That's enough vision Let's go back to the passage. Let's just talk about Jesus' heart here. He's sitting on the hillside with people that he loves. He's talking about building a life on solid ground. And in both examples he gives, the house that's built on sand and the house that's built deep into the bedrock, he says, listen, my friends, there's a storm coming. It's It's unavoidable. Storms are going to come. Just like that storm is coming at the end of summer that's going to wipe out these houses, the storm is coming in life. Disappointment is coming. Rejection is coming. Loneliness, it's all a part of life. And here's his warning. Either the storm will destroy you or the foundation that you build on will protect you. Either the storm will destroy you or the foundation will protect you. Anchor into a relationship with Jesus and you will be safe. But if you don't, that storm, it's going to leave you in shambles. Here, here's my worry. Here's what scares me. Is that my phone rings. And you go, Brad, I, I built my house on sand. And the storm hit. I lost my job. I lost someone that I love. Whatever it is. I can't live with that. Yes, it takes work to anchor into a relationship with Jesus. Yes, it takes opening your Bible. It takes learning 
It takes stepping out in faith when he calls you to do something. It takes being with people and being vulnerable and talking about how do I put this Jesus stuff into practice in my life. But if you don't, you can't shore up the house while the storm is happening. You can't be running around the house trying to anchor into the foundation, boarding up the windows when the storm is already here. It's too late. Jesus doesn't promise there won't be storms. Some of you are in a storm right now and you're wondering why is the foundation shaking so much? What are you anchored to? Deep down, what are you anchored to? What are you standing on? Some of you in a storm, are in a storm right now and you're like, I don't, I don't know how I'm making it, but I am. Here's why. You're anchored to Jesus. He doesn't say that the storm's not coming. In fact, he promises, but he says, if you will anchor to me, if you will dig down, you'll do the work of getting down to the bedrock of not cheating and just doing the surface stuff of following Jesus, but actually get in deep. He goes, I will protect you. The storm will come, but you won't be destroyed. Anchor, anchor deep into Jesus into his word. Pray with me. God, you, in your word, say that you are a rock, you are a foundation, you are a fortress. That when storms come, our only hope of, of not being wiped out is being connected to you. God, help us. Help us anchor into you, who you are, into your word. Help us to not settle for just building on the surface, building our lives on sand, on things that will be eroded and destroyed. God, help us to have open hearts and open minds to hear the words that you speak. And help us to be bold enough to put them into practice. We call Jesus Lord. Let it not be some simple, trite, churchy, Christian thing to say. Help us to mean it. Master, lead us. Master, help us to follow you. Master, help us to step out in faith when you call us. Help us to know that we're loved. Master, help Protect us in the storm. God, we're doing our best to live and love like Jesus, to find ways to serve people, to grow in your word. Help us open our hearts that when the storm comes, we would stand firm on the rock, on our foundation, who is Jesus. It's in his name we pray, amen.